Yeah, and uh, this is going to be our last week here in 1 Corinthians. Uh, Advent starts next week, so we're going to go into our Advent series, and it's fun. We're starting our Advent series uh, with a youth service, so youth will be leading worship. Um, Rachel's actually going to be preaching, and uh, youth will feature throughout the entire service, which is awesome. I think it's a lot better than just me. But um, yeah, sorry, it's actually itchy. I am very itchy right now. (laughs) So yeah, we're concluding in Corinthians, have you? Maybe this is just me. Have you ever experienced a moment where, like, you wake up middle of the night and, you know, go into the washroom and then you're like, oh, my shoulder, like what? Or like, oh, my knee, like why is it? Anyone else? Like, oh, my hip. Is it, is it just me? Please say it's not just me. Anyone else, like, have that? You wake up, you're like, what? And then you kind of, like, have this moment of remembering of, oh, yeah, I, I did that thing yesterday, right? Like, oh, yeah, I try to show my kids how I did it. When I was their age, or, you know, I, I hiked that mountain, I did that thing. Um, or the moment, you know, when you're really excited as a parent. How many people were parents or have been parents or no parents? That should be everybody. We all know parents. Anyways, uh, I'll have this, um, where, where you're like really excited to go to your kid's elementary school concert. You know, you're like, oh, I get to see my kid and you go there. And now your kid's like maybe in grade four or five. So you have to sit through the first three grades. And you're like, why am I here? <laughs> and then you see your kid, you're like, ah, oh, that's, that's why. Um, remembering why is important, right? Because sometimes in the moment, you're like, what is happening? And then you have a, oh, that is why. And uh, um, here, concluding in 1 Corinthians, it's this, the author here is Paul. And, and he's having this, this remember why moment. Uh, uh, we need to remember why. And um, so Corinthians is fun. Uh, I actually was in management before pastoring here. And management always teaches you like, you know, when, you, when you, you're going to give some correction, it's called the encouragement sandwich. Has anyone heard of this? Like, hey, you're really good. Be better. But good job, buddy. That's kind of like the, the format. And, and here, so it, Corinthians starts with this encouragement of who Jesus is. And then we get into, and we as a church have been in this, this section of 1 Corinthians that deals with a lot of correction, right? It starts dealing with and addressing, and, and I'll use it personally, because even though Paul was writing to a particular church at a particular time, dealing with very particular issues, we're learning from it too. And I feel like um, we went through a season where, or a, s- a section in this scripture where uh, our hearts were being challenged, right? The motivation of our heart was being challenged. Our attitude towards sin and repentance was being challenged. Uh, um, even just this measuring stick of love that we addressed last week, the First Corinthians 13, is calling us to serve others with this attitude of this God kind of love. It's these challenging messages, and it's important to remember why. Why does how we live matters if grace is given to, to anyone who just believes? If, if grace, is, grace is just faith, then why do, does how we live matters? And so Paul brings it right back at the end of this letter by acknowledging and rerouting why we should believe or what we should be rooted in, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should be, the gospel should be the focus And what Paul has been addressing here in this letter is what happens when we lose our focus, we forget our why, and we're being distracted. And so it brings us right back to this very foundation to be grounded in the gospel. And the gospel is simple in concept, but really hard to walk through and absolutely pivotal and vital to everything that we do. It's Jesus came. So God came 
fully in flesh, in man, to show us, to, to, to lead us, to demonstrate to us not only how we can live and thrive, but we saw through Jesus Christ the goodness, the attitude of our Father God. He lived, he brought our salvation, and, and to the people who, were, who saw Jesus, there was this anticipation for the salvation, which again is interesting because we're going into Advent, the whole idea of this anticipation. And so, so Jesus came, God became fully man, and then he died for us, taking our penalty for sin, which is this spiritual death, this separation. He took our penalty and, that, and our freedom that we have now through Jesus had a cost. And that cost was the life of Jesus Christ. And, and now because of Jesus' death and his crucifixion, we are made whole. And now we can walk in wholeness. And, and the gospel message doesn't end there, but it continues with Jesus rising again, now uh, uh, um, coming alive. And now we have this whole new life that we can live because Jesus died and rose again. Jesus came, died, and rose again. And it's the entirety of the gospel that everything should be rooted from. right? And so this is how Paul ends this letter. And he says here in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1, now, I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preached to you, that you received and on which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold firmly, firmly, firmly to the message I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I passed on to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So let's, let's pause there. Uh, and, and we see some fun language Paul uses. So right off the bat, Paul says that, that I'm preaching you this gospel that you receive and on which you stand. And, and the way it's written, it's a declaration, but almost like a question. We need to ask ourselves, what are we standing on? What is the foundation that we're standing on? That seems like a really easy question, right? Like, oh, yes, damn, we stand on the selfie, we stand on the gospel. But um, everything that we stand on looks pretty solid until a kind of a storm comes. You know what I mean? Like, like you can say I'm standing on something that's pretty solid. I'm standing on something that's pretty good. And everything kind of seems good until that very good thing is tested. Has anyone ever been to like a, an amusement park like Disneyland and they have that, uh, they used to call it Elevator and now they, they changed the name and everything. It, it, it seems like you're sitting on something that's pretty solid. But when that thing is dropping, you're very aware that it is not very solid. See, in life, uh, uh, you're going to notice, and maybe you haven't noticed yet, eh, it's coming, but you're going to notice that life is rarely ever in one trajectory, right? It's not just going up. It's not kind of neutral. Life has its ups and downs, right? And the minute that we hit this down, the very foundation on which we stand gets very tested. What is the foundation that we're standing on? Is the foundation that we're standing on dependent on the circumstances they're walking through? Is the foundation that we're standing on based on a tradition that maybe we have or based on what someone else has said or what someone else is doing? Or is our foundation built on or based on this very gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel and nothing else? And this is what Paul is reminding. This is what you stand on. You don't stand on any other doctrine. You don't stand on any other cultural move. Just because something is, is new or it sounds good, it, the minute that things start shaking, it, be, it becomes tested, right? This is the foundation that you stand on. And then he says, 
in verse 2, by which you are being saved. Now, this is a fun word because in the language, it is like present but also future. It's a continuous idea. And this is what's being important because we are saved. The minute that we believe in Jesus Christ, the promise is that we are saved. We are now his. We, we, everything that Jesus died and rose again for is now available to each and every one of us. And yet we're also being saved. It, it, our our um, a phrase, a whistle, oh, why did I whistle? I can't think of the word, what our phrase, uh, our statement of faith or whatever is, is <laughs> I whistled, it was belong, believe, become. And, 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 and that salvation, the picture is like believing and becoming. It is God has made us free, yet we are becoming free. We are righteous, yet we are becoming righteous. We are made whole, yet we are becoming whole. We have been given, but we're realizing what we've been given. And so even in this statement, this is the gospel by which you stand on and the gospel by which you are being saved. This is the becoming. This is the discipleship. This is the growing. This is the sanctification, which is a really big fancy word that kind of just means being made holy. This is the area of Paul who wrote this also writes in another letter that we are working out our salvation. This is the growing. This is uh, realizing everything that we have been given because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the peace. And if we are grounded in the gospel and we believe in the gospel, then the natural flow of that is then we become what we believe in. And that is the indication of the ground that we're standing on. And sometimes we can even look at the measure of our life and say, I don't like what I have become. And we can look back because then what we believe is what we become, right? And salvation is this opportunity to go back and understand this is the foundation I'm living on. I am righteous through Jesus Christ. And then from that live so that I can become righteous. I am becoming righteous. So why does how I live matters if I'm just saved because of what I believe? Because not only are we saved, we're also being saved. It's like I have been given and now I want to realize what I have been given. Right? And living here in Powell River, I know a lot of people have moved here in Powell River. Um, you will notice a really fun Powell River trend of only having one lane, right? And so the passing opportunities are, are very little. And I was raised in Coquitlam, and I actually enjoy passing people because some people need to drive a little faster. Anyone else? Okay? And, and we're in this funny community where a lot of people are, you know, retiring with wealth, and you will see cars and recognize it as being way faster than being able to drive 45. Right? So here they have this potential, and they're not even hitting the speed limit, let alone a little bit more. Right? And here through Jesus Christ, we have been given this freedom, yet we have the potential to realize this thriving and flourishing when we live within the boundaries of thriving and flourishing. And that's what we have been talking about. But it all starts from this foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel is a now thing, because now we realize the full freedom of Jesus. It's a working out thing. We take hold of and we realize the potential of what we've been given through salvation. And it has an element of not yet. There is a future part because we know the end result. It's a now, it's a working out, and it's a not yet. And the caveat that Paul says is, if we hold firmly to the gospel. Now, again, it doesn't sound like, this sounds like pretty basic, Sam, and sometimes I kind of get accused of, you got to go deeper. 
but everything hinges on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I feel like the problem that we see in the church today generally is this idea that we need to like go deeper and we've forgotten the roots of the gospel and we've built it on some sort of idea that's maybe close, but not quite that. You know what I mean? Okay. Now, a really big key component to the gospel is kind of the last part of the gospel, that not only did Jesus die, but he rose again. The the resurrection is a part of the gospel. It is our future hope. And that's why in this letter, especially in chapter 15, Paul spends a lot of time talking about the resurrection. He talks about it because it's the perspective that we live from. Let me explain it. So generally in life, and maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you won't, which is fine, but then you're wrong. Just kidding. Uh, um, We are, we are, this is how I know you guys are listening. I I say these little things kind of quiet. We're generally taught that, you know, we learn from the past, but we live in the present, and our choices and our decisions from the present work towards our future, right? So we're, we're very much working present to future, right? And then if you're, you know, if you're educated, you, you, I'll bring in the past because it makes you sound. But past, present, then, then future. Yet the timeline of the kingdom of heaven is backwards. It comes from a perspective of our future, and it affects our present. It's like the, the, the old hymn, I, I, um, I, I know who holds my future, and, and, I, and life is worth the living just because he lives. It's this idea that because of our future glory, I make decisions from this perspective that now affect my present. See, our, our future is, is like eternity, which makes the present just a blimp. It, it, blimp? A blimp. A blimp is big. A blimp is like, okay. A, a, a blimp. It is temporary, but yet the idea of eternity is kind of hard to comprehend. And I'm not like trying to like get all, whoo, but this is why Paul writes in verse 55 that death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? And he's quoting two different Old Testament passages, but it is this this idea that um, we stand in a position of victory because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came, he died, he rose again, he brought our freedom, so now our freedom is secure in heaven, and now we can live from this perspective that we, from heaven down to earth, and it affects us. So we stand from a perspective where we see we are standing in the kingdom of heaven, and, 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 and then the temporary is here. And when we lose uh, um, perspective, that's what happens. I, I don't have it here. But then Paul says in verse 56 and stuff that the actual sting of death comes from sin, that that sting it, it is sin. And so victory is realized in Jesus Christ, but we feel the sting when we break the boundaries of thriving, and it robs ourselves of the flourishing and the thriving that is made possible through Jesus' death and resurrection. We feel that sting when we experience what happens outside of our freedom. We feel that sting when we're in the middle of the storm. When we step back, that's the picture of salvation. Now we have made new, we step back and we have this perspective and we can see differently. But right in the middle of the storm, right in the middle of the present, that's when we begin to feel the sting of death. That's when we see the brokenness of this world. That's when we see, you know, 
People who are taken from us too soon, that's when we see the result uh, of sin, when we see the result of war, evil, the poverty, the addictions, and then we feeling the sting. And if we live in this moment constantly feeling the sting of life, we lose where we're going. It's overwhelming. There is so much going on. But when we stand in the perspective of heaven, understanding that our eternity is here, and this is just a small moment of eternity, that's when we can stand in confidence and say, I can live knowing who holds my future. I stand from the perspective of the kingdom of heaven. The challenge is, is when we step back into the storm of life and make decisions and actions based on what's happening here, and we're not realizing the flourishing that's available here. Because decisions made here, decisions made in the middle of the storm, the decisions made in the present, just produce present things, right? And, and, and the present is death, yet choices Decisions, life that is made from this heavenly perspective produces heavenly things. And so Paul is writing in this letter, stop living from here and start living from here. Yes, you are saved, but understand everything you do here has this eternal impact here. Why how you live matters is because we're living here a lot longer than we're living here. Is that kind of making sense? We have been given everything here, and we're getting glimpses of everything from this heaven perspective. Yet we're also living in the not yet. And so where we choose to stand, where we choose to make choices, the perspective that we choose to have determines how we thrive and flourish when our present reality just isn't perfect. Does that kind of make sense? See, the author of Hebrews, talking about the same thing, uses this picture in chapter 12, and he uses this picture of running a race. Right? A runner runs this race knowing where his finish line is. And so the encouragement that the writer in Hebrews says is, so, so now I know the end, so I throw off everything, all this, the wording he uses, all the sin that entangles me, everything that hinders me, I throw it off and I run towards the prize. And that picture in Hebrews is this idea that what is slowing you down is something that you can throw off. And that is the message of the gospel, that once we were bound by and held back, not being able to live for a perspective that sees eternity, and now everything that actually robs you of flourishing, we can throw off and we can begin to run, knowing the finish line is there. But if anyone has ever run, you know that the beginning of your run does not feel the same as the middle of your run, and does never feels as good as the end of your run. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you can start a run really positive yeah, man, I'm going to do this. This is going to be great. And then you start running. I'm literally talking from experience right now. And then you hit, you know, for some of us, it's the, you know, well before the kilometer mark, but you know, all of a sudden you start running. You're like, okay, breathing a little harder. It's a little cold out, you know, and then two kilometers, three, you know, for me, I hit the five kilometer mark thinking I'm amazing, right? And then all 5.5, like, <laughs> six, ten, and then you, <laughs> and, and that's the life that we're living. It, it, it is, feels Long, yet it is short. It feels crushing, yet we are free. It feels broken, yet we are made whole. 
Then the author in Hebrews in verse 12 says this in that context. He says, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. It is this picture of, hey, get a different perspective. Right now, we're overwhelmed, being a little beaten up. Let's change our perspective. I love that picture of, of take a new grip. I've been uh, um, uh, doing, uh, working out, and there's some different lifts we're doing. And you can, it's interesting, you can try it and completely fail. And then you have this moment where you have to make a decision. Am I going to try again or am I not? Especially if you know you've done it before. That's interesting. Sometimes you'll take something you've done before, and for whatever reason, that day it's hard. And so um, you'll go, and, and you do this thing mentally. You either already give up in your head, and so then you just continue to fail the lift, or you take this moment where you literally just re-grip the bar, and you grip it a little harder, and you tell yourself, you can do this. You've done it before, and you can do it again. Sound familiar? Amen. And then you take that bar, and you make the lift. This morning, we live from a perspective where the very person who holds our future has gone before us. And this is the promise that God gives us. What I have done before, I can do again. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And why he's the same is because he lives from the perspective of victory already. So we can look at the situation we're going through and say, I don't know a way out. And Jesus can say, I have been there, I have done it, and I can do it again. So let's re-grip our hands and do it. This is the why. We are living on a foundation of the gospel from a perspective of heaven impacting our future. Yet, Paul, who wrote Corinthians, if you remember, said earlier in Corinthians that the gospel is foolishness to those who don't believe. And can I say, also, the gospel is foolishness to maybe those who believe, but who aren't taking full realization of everything the gospel makes possible, right? But to those who believe, to those who have experienced this perspective, who has taken hold of and has overcome, it is everything, and it is life. And, and, and this is why I love how 1 Corinthians is structured. It starts with verse 15 saying, this is the gospel. Then right after the first four verses, in verse 5, it says this. He, who is Jesus, was seen by Peter and then by the twelve and that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, through, though some have died. And then he was seen by James, and later by the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Doesn't sound crazy, but what we're witnessing here is testimony, which is really fun, because I didn't talk to Cody or Rachel, but that's the whole theme for tonight. It's testimony. It's I have seen that the gospel is real. Now, eternity, kind of crazy. I encourage you not to sit there and think about it because it'll kind of blow your mind a little bit. And you'd be like, if you're like me, be like, it's time to stop thinking about it. It's time to drink a cup of coffee, <laughs> right? Eternity is here. 
And all this stuff sometimes can be here, yet like I've said before, I can see Cody. I can see me. I can see Sarah. I can see Rachel. I can see people. And it's our testimony and our reflection of thriving and flourishing and God's goodness that makes the gospel real. We've experienced it. And when we begin to share it, others begin to realize it. So as we end 1 Corinthians, this is my encouragement to you. It's time for us, church, to regrip, make a straight path, understand why we're doing this. We're doing this because Jesus came, he died, he rose again, and I now live in a brand new life, and I want others to live that freedom too. It's time to regrip, make straight path, and go for it. I'm going to call the team back up. And as we close, uh, this is what I want us to reflect on. Is my life, does my life reflect a life that understands the gospel? Does my life reflect that I know who holds my future? Are the choices that I am making, the decisions I'm making, the things that I'm feeling, is it coming from a perspective of heaven or is it coming from a perspective of the present? These are things that we can ask the Holy Spirit. Begin to reveal in my heart. Where am I living from? Maybe this morning we're dealing with a lot of anxiousness. Maybe we're just really tired and we kind of look at our life and it feels like this cycle of, you know, a short bit of good with a whole lot of chaos. Those are all like little signs that we are living from the perspective of the present versus the perspective of the kingdom of heaven. And I just begin to invite Holy Spirit to, you know, where are areas in my life where I am believing something, yet I'm not walking it out, I'm not becoming. I, I believe that I'm saved, but yet my life doesn't look and it's not becoming whole. I believe that I am righteous, yet I'm, I'm not living righteous. This is an opportunity, even in worship, to make the decision to make a little bit of a turn, which is the word repent. I am living this way, and the way that I'm living is not living thinking about heaven, but just thinking about now. And I need to turn so that my life looks like someone who is living from a position of the kingdom of heaven. Does that make sense? Let's all stand together. Let's worship together, and then I'll come back and close.